0: Hey everyone, it's Jacqueline Melanick. Welcome to Chain Reaction, a show that unpacks and dives deep into the latest trends, drama, and news with some of the biggest names in crypto, breaking things down block by block for the crypto curious. Today's guest is Alex Edelman, the CEO and co-founder of Lolly, a rewards application that gives U.S. users the ability to earn a certain percent back in Bitcoin or cash at over 10,000 stores like McDonald's, Starbucks, Chick-fil-A, Dunkin', CVS, Costco, so on. You know, a lot of brands we know. He also was previously on a team that built a commerce gateway called Cosmic that was acquired by PopSugar in 2015, and then Ebates and Rakuten in 2017. And similar to me, Alex also went to UNC Chapel Hill. So of course, go Tar Heels. (laughs) Alex, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Good to be here, and go Heels. (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. So to start it off, I briefly explained Lolly, but of course, you could explain it way better than me. I'd love to hear about how Lolly works in practice. What's the process of getting rewards online and offline? And how do you kind of calculate those rewards?
1: Yeah, so we partner with merchants to give them the ability to give rewards to users when they shop in-store or online. So uh, we're now partnered with over a thousand different merchants, I I believe more major merchant partnerships than any other crypto company in the world. And it's a simple relationship. They want people to come to their sites or to their stores. They want them to be loyal. And so we built this over-the-top loyalty solution that serves both parties. Merchants get to attract a customer many times away from Amazon, and then The consumer gets to earn free rewards many times on the things that they would have already bought. So their coffee, their groceries, their gas, as long as they're choosing Lolly partner merchants, they're typically earning around 6% back on their purchase.
0: So let's say I go to like Walmart today and I want to use Lolly for this. How would I go about doing that?
1: You download the mobile app or the Chrome extension or both. And uh, you can either shop online at Walmart or shop in-store at Walmart to earn cash or Bitcoin back.
0: Okay. And does Lolly purchase Bitcoin at market value and store it for users? And if so, like, how do you deal with Bitcoin's price volatility there? Uh,
1: Yeah, so we're just buying, you know, Bitcoin on the back end and holding it in in a secure omnibus account for our users. And then our users, after they've earned $15 in equivalent in Bitcoin, they can move that money off into their own wallet. So... You know, we're big believers in, you know, not not your keys, not your coin. And so, you know, strongly encourage and educate users about why Bitcoin is different. So when you can earn cash back, you can clearly move it to a U.S. dollar bank account. And when you earn Bitcoin back, you can move it to a Bitcoin wallet of your
0: choice. And why Bitcoin, Alex? It seems like, you know, there's a lot of activity on ETH, Solana, USDC, like all these other cryptocurrencies out there. Is there a reason that Lolly decided to go with Bitcoin rewards and do you think you'll ever dive into other cryptocurrency rewards?
1: Yeah, so Bitcoin's incredibly important and very early on in its journey. I, you know, I think people look at it as uh, day one still that are truly in it. We'll, we'll probably talk about this later. But, you know, we're seeing things now to this day that are newly discovered on the Bitcoin blockchain. You know, It's been around for 13 years, but still we're playing this 100 plus year game of changing money. And we're in day one. So when we first started Lolly, I think sixty percent of people heard about Bitcoin, but it was it was something like less than like you know one percent actually had it. So we, you know we w- my last company had was bought by Rakuten, one of the biggest cashback companies in the world, if not the biggest cashback company in the world still to this day. And we learned that you can actually like through you know, made all these merchants hundreds of millions of dollars, and we were like, okay, well this is a really incredible way to distribute money to people. And we thought, okay, well, what if you could, what if you could get Bitcoin to people through this method and make it really, really simple, like next to no KYC, someone's earning a reward. They're shopping as they normally would. You know, they don't have to go buy it. They don't have to do deep KYC. They don't have to take their hard earned money. And you know, i I'd, I'd been Bitcoin for a while and I just felt like it was so difficult to get my friends, my family into Bitcoin. And I tried like, so I try to teach them. I tried to send them books. I tried to send them the white paper. It's really difficult for someone to take their hard-earned money and put it into an asset, especially an asset that was so different than the asset that they know and love, which is cash. So what we said is like, okay, what if you could make this free? And what if you could attach it to something that someone does every single day? And so every person in the world shops, like very, Mm -hmm. if you're over the age of 18, you have probably quote unquote shopped somewhere in your life. It's something everyone does every day, right? The amount of people that invest are very like, even in 2018, you know, this was before like the Robinhood really, you know, really like took off and a lot of these like personal investing apps really took off. And even to this day, I would say most people are not day traders. They're long-term holders. So how do you fulfill Satoshi's original vision of this P2P, you know, money, this the, the beauty of it is you don't need any middlemen. How do you fulfill this vision? How do you get Bitcoin in the hands of more people? And we felt like this was the way to do it. So we invented Bitcoin rewards, merchant funded Bitcoin rewards uh, in 2018. And we've brought on over a thousand merchants since. We have over 600,000 users and have really created this industry, uh, the subset of this, you know, of this industry and a real business model that lets us to give Bitcoin to people for free.
0: Yeah. I mean, with all that said, how do you overcome skepticism from these merchants when pitching like a rewards program to them? And it is merchant funded, as you mentioned. So like... What is the response like from all these like retail companies that you guys are working with?
1: Yeah, so a lot of it's trust. So you know, I'm a big proponent for trustless ecosystems, but in the ecosystem in the world that we exist in today, so much of this world is trust. It's you know, it's it's I've met you in person, I've shook your hand, I've sent you a gift, I made you money. All these sort of things that you know we rely on, we're ultimately like, We are humans at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. but we have technology that we're relying on to create these trustless ecosystems between two people. And... The reality of it is uh, me and my team with my last company made these merchants a lot of money in the previous business. And when you make another person or another company money, you typically, you know, have their trust. They're like, okay, well, this person.
0: Yeah, they're cool with you. <laughs> for seven years,
1: this person made me lots and lots of money mm-hmm. in the past. I am willing to do business with this person again. And I have faith that this person is going to make me more money in the future. So we took a lot of our existing relationships and to start, we said, look, we're going to be the first of its kind. We know that, you know, there was a lot of selling of like Bitcoin, but a story that a lot of people don't know is I'd been selling Bitcoin into merchants since 2013. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a new sell. Like I was, you know, for better or worse in 2017, I was the Bitcoin guy for a lot of Fortune 500 merchants. So I went to you know the biggest merchants in the world that we had partnered with in 2013 with a with our payment solution. And I said, look, we're we're hooked into 99 different payment gateways. Let's just add Bitcoin as the hundredth, right? And you know, here's all the features of it. It's immutable, You know, instant remittance, like all these issues that I knew that merchants had with money in general. I thought th- like, oh, I just learned about this cool new currency. It connects the entire world through commerce. It's incredible. It's going to absolutely change the world. Let me go like sell this thing to like merchants to actually get real adoption. So that was my first foray in it. And so a lot of these merchants, they'd heard me talking about it. They had clearly seen the price go up that a lot of them had either bought personally or had tried to sell it into the you know, the fortune 500 organizations and failed. And so fast forward many, many years, you know, the price kind of like is a proof point, right? Like you, if someone mm-hmm. tells you, Hey, this thing is going to be valuable, take it with a grain of salt. This thing is a dollar. Now this thing is $10. Now this thing's a hundred dollars. You're going to start to listen of like, what did this person know that I didn't know over that time? And you're going to come back and trust that person. So 2017 rolls around, you know, we were at Rakuten. I pitched this idea, got shot down, you know, I I went on part of ways on good terms with Rakuten and uh, started, you know, built this thing from scratch, called up a lot of the merchants that I, you know, talked about this to in 2013. And, uh, you know, I'd stay in touch with over those years. Yeah, we, you know, we built a prototype and merchants loved it. And we ended up signing 500 merchants within a few months onto this platform. So a lot of them were skeptical, but they didn't have to touch Bitcoin. Like part of our model is they're just paying us in in cash, we're doing the conversion and taking on all the risk to ultimately give free Bitcoin to our, our users.
0: Got it. Okay, that actually makes a lot of sense. You've been obviously doing this for a while, as you just mentioned, and you've got all these stores participating. And in other areas, we're seeing traditional retail and commerce companies like Nike, Starbucks, and so on getting into Web3 in general with reward programs or crypto integrated services. How do you think like the reward systems for crypto, or more specifically in your case, Bitcoin has evolved over the past couple of years? And like, where do you see the future of it going for Lolly?
1: Great question. Yeah, so we you know, we've been talking about the future of loyalty and its and its involvement in crypto for mm-hmm. a very long time. And if you look at actually our our first patent that was just awarded, 2019, we, you know, we talk about digital assets being fungible or non-fungible. So you can kind of see like it's on chain, right? It's on government chain, but it's on chain of like our foresight into how things develop. Now, you know, it's, it's coming to fruition where there's like loyalty NFTs that exist. We looked at Bitcoin as being the best loyalty fungible token because it's the highest value thing that people want. So there's many other tokens that you could give someone some, you could make some art and give some some brand's NFT, but it can have no value unless the brand gives it value. You don't know if the brand's going to be there tomorrow. You don't know what they're going to do to to invest in it. And so I'm a big believer, like the best NFTs are memes that are going to last forever. And Art that's going to last forever, whereas when things have utility, it sort of has this like finite value of it as opposed to this like infinite belief that it could be, you know, the next Mona Lisa. And so that's kind of the differentiator is we've been very intentional about like what has value. I know that Bitcoin is the best meme, Bitcoin's the best money, and will have value for many, many, many years. Giving somebody NFT too early when a brand's brands are still figuring out what the true utility is, they don't even have wallet connect on their sites. You know, they don't know what the value they're going to give. They're just sort of like, Oh, let's go say this word NFT. so we've actually been educating brands on NFTs to either do them or not to do them for the last several years, because they all come to us. We, you know, a lot of people are looking at like loyalty NFTs, quote unquote, loyalty NFTs as being this new thing, but like loyalty tokens have existed for you know, even before us with like points mm-hmm. and with us with actual on-chain tokens you know i think we were the first to do it but i look at it as like lolly has created the most successful on-chain token based digital asset reward system and then this new wave of loyalty nfts has a lot to figure out and mm-hmm. you know rest assured we're going to play a part in it our brands are asking for it uh we have a thousand merchants that we've made over a hundred million dollars over the last several years so you know, we have real pull in the space, whereas a lot of these new NFT projects are pivoting right now because they're like, wait, there's no demand anymore. There's no utility. Brands don't actually want this thing. It's not sustainable. Whereas we know that fungible assets like Bitcoin rewards are extremely scalable, extremely sustainable. And uh, we're very excited about what we've built and the future of it.
0: So as you've mentioned, Lolly's done seemingly well in helping retailers make money on this. So what would be your advice to other Web3 companies to, get better at engaging traditional players in this technology
1: yeah, I would say hire someone who's done it before honestly <laughs> I, I wish there was like a you know overnight success, but, I mean a lot of people look at Lolly and they're like, oh, you know it's just, it's a it must be easy because it, it just happened so fast but like honestly, it look, took me eight years to meet these people and make them a lot of money and it was it is not glamorous at all like I'm sure for another podcast another mm-hmm. time, more of like a founder story. I mean it took me a very, very long time. I was like I was 22 years old coming out of Chapel Hill. I knew no one. I didn't know VCs, I didn't know uh, merchants, I didn't know uh, I'd never built enterprise level tech before. I you know, I I built like projects but never like scalable technology and so, you know, it took an incredible like team behind Cosmic and now this, but it, it just honestly was like banging on doors. So it was not glamorous. It was very hard. I would say hire someone that's done it before. And typically when, when companies and individuals are successful, it's not oftentimes an overnight success. It's oftentimes a lot that went behind it. So I think a lot of these yeah. companies now that are emerging, they have to do things that don't require companies or people to buy into them it has to be something that is like works by itself typically two-sided markets take a long time to build That's which is why we don't have a lot of competitors building up a merchants takes a long time building up consumers takes a very long time like to build those two ecosystems in two-sided markets uh it's just very hard bill Gurley talks about this a lot and Horowitz talks about this a lot Mm -hmm. of like two-sided markets are one of the hardest businesses to build and it just takes time
0: yeah no I think a lot of times people just like talk about the success stories, but not what it took to get there. So I'm totally with you on that. But before you talked about NFTs, and I want to shift to that sphere right now. Obviously, ordinal NFTs are all the talk right now in the Bitcoin community and the growth of Bitcoin NFTs in general. For our listeners, this is a fairly new sector that's gaining traction across both the Bitcoin ecosystem and the bigger crypto world. Ordinals is an NFT-like project on the Bitcoin blockchain. And instead of referring to new NFTs as mints, they're called inscriptions because they're literally inscribed onto the Bitcoin blockchain. Ordinals launched last month and has seen a lot of traction from both Bitcoiners and people outside of the diehard community. And it's not the first Bitcoin-focused NFT project. We've seen them in the past with like Rare Pepes and other things, but it's gaining real traction. And I think it might be arguably the next up-and-coming one. So, Alex, I see you nodding over there. You know about this. You probably know way more about this than me. So I'm going to let you talk. Do you see this as a good thing for the ecosystem, and how do you think it'll kind of grow Bitcoin's prevalence and market share?
1: Yeah. So all great questions. So Bitcoin <laughs> was the first to do it. They did it yes. with what uh, you know a L2
0: back and yeah protocol
1: called Counterparty. For anyone who's not uh, mm-hmm. you know, aware of that, and Hal Finney, which you know some believe is, is Satoshi Nakamoto, whether you believe it or not, you know he was a very early supporter of Bitcoin. Uh, was was a very active member of Bitcoin, very forward thinking. And in 1993, he actually envisioned, I mean, way before you know Bitcoin even existed, he envisioned something called crypto trading cards. And these were trading cards that were cryptographically owned and traded. And so, very, very early, you know, to the space. And then, so Bitcoin was the first to do it because of the block size, you know, pre-Segwit, pre-Taproot, I can kind of explain those later. Before Mm -hmm. these soft forks, what happened was, is uh, you couldn't really create a NFT, for the sake of this word, NFT ordinal on the Bitcoin blockchain. You had to do it on an L2. So Counterparty had success with Rare Pepes, you know, Ethereum emerges in 2016. And one of the first use cases, you know, aside from trading fungible tokens and sort of decentralized finance was actually nfts and so you know things came out like crypto punks early projects like that because ethereum you know has smart contracts it has block space essentially for you to host actual images on chain so they popularized nfts and then many many years later you know 2021 20, nfts became way more popular uh they started being traded all these artists mm-hmm. started to emerge and because of smart contracts, you could actually like make royalties on them. You could have marketplaces, you could host these, you know, different places and made it really you know, easy to trade them. So full circle, a lot of, I think, Bitcoiners, uh, you know, what I call and I call myself, I call people in this space, Bitcoin rationalists that are really long term thinkers, really bullish on Bitcoin in the long term. They look at Ethereum and they say, wow, this is really cool what Ethereum community is doing. There's all these things that are really positive that Ethereum is doing. You know, we have criticisms of the decentralized nature of it. We have criticisms over the launch of it and and uh, you know who's behind it, who controls it, proof of stake. Many criticisms of, of Ethereum that a Bitcoin rationalist would have. But that doesn't, like, when you're looking at a technologist, like Ethereum has done some really, really cool things. And so you know me and other bitcoiners have definitely taken note of these things and and are pushing for innovation for what we can so inter 2017 i believe when segwit launched segwit was a soft fork that let people basically host things on block sizes so you mm-hmm. could actually like host images essentially or host anything on blocks Taproot emerges and is very much like developer centric, but it added like privacy and this concept of what's of like a smart contract. It's not really a smart contract, but it's called MAST. And so you could do way more where you could basically program uh, an entire block. And so it's pretty complicated, but basically all you need to know is these two things emerged in Bitcoin's innovation that were massive undertakings and, you know, changed Bitcoin forever. And so this guy by the name of Casey emerges and creates ordinals. Which is an incredible feat. It's taking actual images and hosting it actually on Bitcoin. So if you believe Bitcoin is the you know currency of the future and will be around in a hundred years, which I do, you can know that this art will be inscribed, as they call it, on the Bitcoin blockchain forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And, ever. and that's just absolutely amazing. Like to think about what can be done with that actual with that concept is absolutely phenomenal. AWS Google Cloud, everything could go down, but the Bitcoin blockchain, you know, will be here forever. And the art and the passages and the memes, the messages that are on Bitcoin are forever.
0: Mm -hmm. I guess you could argue similarly for the other blockchains as well, that they are forever in an extent, even if they go to zero, they'll still exist, right?
1: Um, possibly. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of, it really, it's like, what do you think is going to happen over the next 80 years or hundred
0: years? <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's, that's what we have guests for. <laughs> yeah. So right. it's
1: like, if you believe that you could like take over Ethereum or take down Ethereum or take down Solana or take down, which you know, m- many people have taken down other blockchains. Right. So it's really what you think is the most decentralized. So if you, if mm-hmm. you believe that like Solana could be taken down and, Coerced, I guess, is probably a good word to use. Like, you could believe someone could, like, you know, delete all data off the chain. Mm-hmm. And maybe you could, you know, argue that someone could fork things and things like that. But I don't think if something is being taken down. I, you know, how much likelihood does it have to be, you know, a currency but, or a chain? So it might exist.
0: And value, yeah. What's
1: the most valuable mm-hmm. thing to exist? And then the thing to understand about Bitcoin ordinals is that it's literally inscribed on a Satoshi. So the Satoshi is the smallest unit it would be like cents to a dollar would be the best way to describe Mm -hmm. it so a satoshi is like the cent so it'd be like it's like you have a coin picture like a coin of bitcoin and it's like what's on your coin what's on your satoshi and that forever it you know adds value to that satoshi Mm -hmm. assuming there's something of value to be added
0: yeah no that definitely makes sense i think it's a fair thing to say that like the technology is extremely nascent still for bitcoin nfts so How do you kind of see it competing with these other big NFT blockchains like Ethereum, Solana and others? Or do you not see it as a competition? It's its own external thing and it's just going to grow the Bitcoin ecosystem.
1: I see it as its own thing. Bitcoin from day one and today is solving a very different problem than Ethereum. You know, Ethereum is trying to be world computer, Uh, trying to be very flexible, It's trying to move fast and break things. It's doing a great job of building smart contracts and doing it in a decentralized way. I'm not hating on on Ethereum. I think they have proven out a ton. And, you know, I've I've been in Ethereum for a very long time now. I love Bitcoin more. I think I get wrapped as like a Bitcoin maxi. (laughs) I've I've always said I'm I'm a rationalist. I love Bitcoin. I think it's the most decentralized currency in the world. I think it is changing the world. It's giving people access. Four and a half billion people have internet connection, access to decentralized money. And it's backed by energy. It's backed by math. It's incredible if you really like look into like the physics of it, how it works Mm -hmm. and how decentralized it is. It's one of the most incredible things like I've ever seen in my entire life. And I think very few people still to this day understand how powerful it is. Ethereum is just solving a very, very different problem. And I think it'll be around for a very long time. I'm not saying it won't. I just think Ethereum is way less decentralized. And, you know, when you really sit down and think of like all the vector attacks of every chain, Bitcoin has the least, Ethereum has the second least. And many others are are like sort of like distant third and fourth and fifth. So that's what I'm looking at. If I'm a government that is like upset that this, these currencies have taken my market share, whatever you're looking at, and you're trying to take them down one by one, you're looking at at how do you take them down? And like right now, a lot of these major governments could pretty easily take down a lot of the currencies Mm -hmm. like with, I mean, you're already seeing it, but they could take them down very easily. So, you know, we get into some like, deeper theories about <laughs> yeah. about that. And like, I, you know, talk about a lot of that stuff offline if you've ever met me in person. But I, I think that I look at it as like, what are what are the vector attacks from governments taking down mm-hmm. currencies and how decentralized they are? But a lot of people are just looking at it as like, oh, this JPEG is on Ethereum. I like this JPEG. They don't think about what is the ch- underlying chain that my JPEG is on.
0: Right. Before we go into like a whole rabbit hole deep dive, let's go back to the surface. Would Lolly ever implement something like a Bitcoin NFT or reward into its business model like that?
1: Absolutely, yeah. We're uh, we're playing around with a lot of stuff in the in the background. We always are, you know, in uh, research and development. I think it's very early to do, but yeah, we're excited about uh, what was doing. I mean, we're all yeah playing around with it personally. I think it's like day one. I think some, mm-hmm. some very interesting things. People say like, oh, you can't really do smart contracts on Bitcoin, but you can verify. That someone has something. And so at its base level, if you can verify that I have said ordinal, then merchants could give you a boost if you're if you're holding ordinals. So you don't actually need to have something on Ethereum. People think like, oh, you need to connect wallet and things like that. There's some very creative ways that you're gonna see really probably the next few months where Lolly or our brands could verify that you have. I'm just throwing an example here. I'm not saying any. Brand X. Brand X has NFT X. And if, you know, Jacqueline's holding NFT X, she gets an extra boost at Brand X. So that's what you're going to start to see us do and others do in the space. And you you can already kind of see it on our patent, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all public, but you can Mm -hmm. see what we were envisioning of like on-chain loyalty and what it looks like.
0: All right. Well, you heard it here first, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think is missing for these like Bitcoin NFTs right now that's like inhibiting that next move for growth and adoption?
1: A lot of things. It's 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 day one. It's
0: like super early. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, people are, I mean, if we're being honest, like I'm, I'm long term bullish, but in the way they exist today, like, you know, we're all buying them off of like Google Sheets. Like it's, it's very mm-hmm. nascent, like literally the way it works is people are on discords and google sheets and you're trusting your counterparty and so a lot of these are coming from communities that already existed in ethereum and this is also how ethereum started too with nfts like people were trading in in uh the the punks telegrams and side chats and discords Mm -hmm. uh it still exists today like i you know i i still move nfts with people that i've done business with before so kind of going back to my earlier point like I do OTC trades, uh, you know, quite a bit. Like it's something that happens in Ethereum with trusted ecosystems and it's happening now in Bitcoin too. So to answer your question, some of the biggest needs are one, easy launchers. So not needing a full node. So basically a node as a service is is a huge product to be made. And, you know, if I am an artist, I don't necessarily need, I shouldn't need to set up a full node. I should just be able to go to a service and say, I'm going to go mint this. I'm going to go mint 10 of them, 100 of them, 500 of them onto mm-hmm. one block, and I'm going to pay X or Y amount. And it's pretty expensive right now to do it. So if someone could figure out a way to inscribe, you know, inexpensively, um, right now it's, it's costing like, lo- like tens of thousands of dollars in Bitcoin to go mm-hmm. inscribe, you know, take over a block. So you're seeing some very creative ways of people doing it today and driving the cost down. Second thing is you know, very similar to Ethereum. It needs marketplaces people need a place to go for this trustless ecosystem to be able to buy and sell without needing to do it one to one. Yeah, marketplaces are very much needed. And so I think there will be ways in which people interact with like lightning as well. I haven't quite figured it all out yet, so I won't I won't speak to that just yet, but I think some people that I've talked to that are way smarter than I am are working on some very interesting sort of sidechain activity where you can actually like buy even cheaper with lightning And buy Bitcoin NFTs even cheaper with Lightning and just, you know, drive transaction costs next to zero uh, and still make it trustless. Mm So I think you'll start to see, like, Lightning marketplaces emerge where you can buy and sell Bitcoin NFTs probably over the next few months. I mean, Bitcoin is, like, what I think a lot of people don't understand is Bitcoin is the, like, most liquid, highest market cap still to this day. So when you really look at the game of Ethereum and why Ethereum has worked for NFTs and why Solana and, and Cosmos and other ecosystems have really failed... On that front today, not saying they will in the future, but why they have today, it's liquidity, it's market buying power. Artists want to build in ecosystems where there's liquidity, where there's people to buy, and there's no better ecosystem than Bitcoin. So you're gonna see all these artists, you know, you already have, but all these artists and projects start to launch Bitcoin projects because the smart ones are like, wait a second, like Ethereum is kind of like tapped out a little bit right now in a bear market. Bitcoin is fresh. There's like so many wallets that, so many whales. That will buy, you know, these small collections and own these things, especially, you know, early on in 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 the process, because everyone learned their lesson with um, not buying punks back in seventeen, not mm-hmm. buying apes, not buying these things that are now worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars in fiat currencies equivalent if they had just bought them several years ago.
0: I think it's also just like worth noting though that this is extremely complex still because we are in those early stages. And of course, none of this is financial advice to anyone, but tread lightly if you're going to get into it, basically, because like it's super complicated. And a lot of the terms we've thrown out here are beyond, like, some of them are even over my head, to be honest. But yeah, I think, like you said, in the coming months, there will be these marketplaces and things coming out that will make it more accessible to the everyday person, not just the whales, the diehard Bitcoiners or people who understand this extremely well. So
1: yeah, yeah, huge caveat to everything is it's (laughs) the only thing that is safe is holding Bitcoin, holding your own keys, and everything else right now is just wild west. But it's directionally fascinating. And there's so much to learn about it. It's just like a total paradigm shift, massive moment for Bitcoin. So that's what to understand. You know, I said this with Bitcoin in 2013. Learn about it, like read about it. It's like it's one, endlessly fascinating. Two, it's important. And if if people had learned about it in 2013, 2017, you know, whatever wave you came in on you'll never regret reading that book. You'll you'll never regret, you know, reading the white paper and having a better understanding of it. And education is the key to getting into it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think time will tell where all this goes. And as you said, learning is definitely a key in this as well. But Alex, thank you. It has been a pleasure having you on the show today. And thank you to everyone else for listening in. Thank you for having me. We'll be back every other week with interviews with top players in the crypto ecosystem. Catch us on Thursdays for interviews with experts in the Web3 space. You can keep up with us on Spotify, Apple Music, or your favorite pod platform, and subscribe to our companion newsletter, also called Chain Reaction. Links to the newsletter and the stories we talked about can be found in our show notes, and be sure to follow us at Chain underscore Reaction on Twitter. Chain Reaction is hosted by myself and produced by Yashad Kulkarni and Maggie Stamets with editing by Kel. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator, Alyssa Stringer leads audience development, and Henry Pickovit manages TechCrunch's audio products. Thanks for listening. See you next time.